from South Carolina Public Radio. This is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on July 24th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's long-shot presidential campaign as he makes his first visit to the Palmetto State. That's right, we are the New Jersey lead this week, folks. Oh, how you doing? Ew. We look at new polling data for South Carolina and Iowa, and hear reports from Mayan Schechter and Scott Morgan on judicial reform and short-term rental regulations in Greenville, respectively. Also, interest rates are set to tick up again this week, and we have more... <gasps> when we do the numbers. The gabagool. Ew! One number that's not changing is 803-563-7169. That's number you need to memorize. Call us. Let us know what's going on in your world. Back to schools. Ramping up, folks. Things are happening in the dog days of summer here. We want to know what you're up to. 803-563-7169. Give us a shout. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you're reading, what you're watching. Maybe some fun travel experiences. Anything that's on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. 803-563-7169. Okay, so I know not everyone was crazy about the big Trump episode we had when he was in Pickens holding his first big South Carolina rally. But like we said, he is the front runner in this Republican presidential field, and what he's saying affects this race and how others treat him. But I think this upcoming segment will be a counterweight to that coverage. Former New Jersey governor turned 2024 Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie made his first trip to South Carolina on Friday. The former two-term governor visited Columbia, one of the bluer parts of our state, to find a friendlier Republican audience of some 150 folks who wanted to hear from what the former Trump supporter had to say on a litany of topics over his nearly two-hour-long event. Oh, how you doing? Several of those folks in the crowd were transplants, and some came from out of state to hear him talk as well. Christie gave a tight 30-minute stump speech and then went into audience question-and-answer portion for about an hour and 15 minutes. There were no hesitations, no notes, no teleprompter, just Christie rallying off facts and figures with a straight-edge tone and occasional jokes to boot. He is the only candidate in this race who is taking the front-runner, former President Donald Trump, head-on without flinching. You can thank the classic New Jersey-New York rivalry for that. Somebody asked me, I was being interviewed at the New York Post the other day, and they asked me, why are you best equipped to take on Donald Trump? I said, two reasons. I've known him for 22 years. I said, second reason is, guys from New Jersey have been dealing with obnoxious guys from New York our entire lives. Christie, in his opening remarks, laid out why there needs to be a change. Here he is talking about President Joe Biden and his administration. He has led us to a place in the world where we are no longer feared and respected. You know, when you sit down for a meeting with a fellow head of state in the Oval Office of the White House, as he did just a day or two ago, with the president of Israel, and you fall asleep in the middle of the meeting. I'm sorry, everybody. That means you're past your sell-by date, okay? Means it's time to go. If you can't stay awake in your own office in the middle of the afternoon when you're talking to the president of Israel, it's probably time to go back to Wilmington. 
So first motivation for getting into this race was we have to get rid of Joe Biden. And by the way, I want to be clear that I pray every night for Joe Biden's good health, not only because he's our president, but because of who our vice president is. Because <laughs> let me tell you, everybody, you think this is bad. <laughs> Can't even imagine what that show would look like. That's reason one, number one. Reason number two is, I thought by this time, given everything that's happened, that the Republican Party would realize that races that look backwards are not winning races. Candidates who look backwards are not winning candidates, and they're not leaders. I will tell you this, I am tired, tired of hearing about the 2020 election. And from there, Christie went into picking apart the Trump machine in the moment when he decided he could no longer support Trump. Um, I broke with Donald Trump on election night 2020 on live television at 2.30 in the morning when he came out and gave his speech where he said the election was stolen behind the seal of the president in the East Room of the White House, when he had no earthly idea whether the election was stolen or not, all the votes hadn't even been counted yet. To me, that was the moment when he proved beyond any doubt that he was beneath the office that he held. And maybe I should have known sooner, but I didn't. And I didn't want Joe Biden to be president, by the way. And I respect your vote for President Biden, but I didn't want Joe Biden to be president because I kind of anticipated what we'd see. And so I supported Donald Trump, but that night I was sitting on set at ABC and he's given that speech and I turned to George Stephanopoulos and I said, come to me right when he's done. And he said, why? I go, I won't disappoint you. Just come to me. <laughs> and, and I said exactly what I believed, which was that the man who is given the honor and the privilege of stewarding over our democracy can never put himself in front of that democracy. He did it. Christie's anti-Trump message is obviously a tough sell in a state where Trump won the 2016 six-way primary with 32% of the vote in the 2016 and 2020 elections with 55% of the vote and remains extremely popular. But South Carolina has open primaries, which means Democrats can vote in the February 24th primary and Christie could be their man. Now, for those who maybe don't like Trump but support his policies, Christie laid out this counter-argument. I run into people all the time who say, all right, all right, I get it, he lies, he's selfish, but I like his policies. So I'm gonna vote for him because I like his policies. All right. I like a lot of the policies he pursued too. And I wanna remind all of you, I was the first person to endorse him when I dropped out of the race in 2016. The first governor in this country to endorse him, the first former candidate to endorse him. I chaired his transition to the White House. I chaired his opioid and drug abuse commission. This one will keep you up tonight. I played Hillary Clinton in debate prep. Me, Hillary Clinton. Took me a while. All I had to, uh, there's a number of things I had to learn, but I won't go into that. I played Joe Biden in debate prep in 2020 for Donald Trump. I had to take a few sedatives before I did, but I worked it out. My point to you is, I'm not coming down here in South Carolina as some never Trumper. I worked hard 
to get him elected in 2016. I worked hard every day to make him the best president he possibly could be for all of us and supported a lot of his policies. But he failed us. He failed us. He said he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And with the Republican Congress, he didn't get it done. You remember this one. He was going to build a big, beautiful wall across the entire border of Mexico, and Mexico was going to pay for it. Besides hammering on Trump, Christie also mentioned his eight years as governor and why his governorship is different than other governors in the race, like Nikki Haley. It's because he had a Democratic legislature the entire time. Here's Christie laying out a bit of his accomplishments during his tenure from 2010 through 2018. What I had to learn was how to bring people together and get things done. And we didn't do a whole bunch of liberal things, everybody. We reformed the pension system for public employees and saved taxpayers $120 billion. We made public employees for the first time contribute to the cost of their health insurance so the taxpayers didn't have to pay every nickel of it. We fired the entire city of Camden Police Department because they were the most dangerous city in America and there were 400 of these cops who were failing every day. Their union wouldn't let us change, so we fired all of them. And we brought in new police, trained them in community policing and violence de-escalation. And what's happened in the 10 years since we fired those that entire police force. The murder rate in Camden is down 75%. We need to have someone who's done law enforcement to get crime under control in our cities all across this country. What's happening in our cities is disgraceful. It's unacceptable. And if I'm president of the United States as a former U.S. attorney, violent criminals who carry guns will go to jail and they'll stay there. But he also took a direct shot at the most popular governor in the race, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, in his approach to politics, calling it small. That Governor DeSantis is now saying that he wants to bring a lawsuit on behalf of Florida pension holders against InBev beverages because of the decisions that Bud Light made on their advertising, and maybe it affected the value of the stock. Let me tell you something. You all have rendered the verdict on Bud Light. You didn't like their advertising? You stopped buying their beer. That's what America is all about. You don't need the government in there making these decisions for you about what you like or what you don't like, what you'll buy or what you won't buy, what you'll support or you won't support. The power of the American people is the power of your wallet. You don't like what Target's doing, you don't go there. You don't want what Bud Light's selling, you don't buy it. You go down and you buy Coors Light or you buy Modelo or you buy whatever the heck you want. There's another beer there, like lots of them. But see, Governor DeSantis thinks that that's an issue that gets everybody riled up and it's small compared to the big issues we have. But if he can just ride that horse as hard as he possibly can, maybe he'll get you so angry that you'll say, yeah, I'll vote for the angry guy. No, not that angry guy, the other angry guy. <laughs> I mean, hell, man, I'm not angry about anything. I'm not angry. I'm determined. Keeping with the 2024 race, we got two new Fox business polls out for Iowa and South Carolina. Yeah. And let's start with the Palmetto State. Almost half, 48% of likely Republican primary voters support Trump. Oh. That's substantial. Behind him is former Governor Haley at 14%. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis right behind her at 13 percent, and Senator Tim Scott at 10 percent. No other candidate reaches double-digit support, and just over half of primary voters say economic issues such as inflation, jobs, and taxes will be most important in deciding their vote for the nomination at 51 percent. Foreign policy, defense issues, immigration issues such as border security, and social issues like abortion, religion, and gender tie for second at 12 percent each. Now, populist issues such as corruption and elite power rank at the bottom with 7%. The poll of 808 respondents was conducted from July 15th through the 19th and has a margin of error of plus or minus 3.5%. And if you want to know where Chris Christie was in that poll, 2%. The gabagool. Now, in the Iowa version of this poll, Trump remains at the top with 46%. DeSantis in a distant second at 16% and Tim Scott at 11%. Then it's Vivek Ramaswamy at 6%, Haley at 5%, former Vice President Mike Pence at 4%, and Chris Christie and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum at 3% each. Fox also reports that Scott's best groups include college-educated women, voters ages 55 to 64, and women over 45. Demographics that Haley has been working to appeal to as well. Scott also has the most opportunity to grow, with the fewest, just 12%, saying they could never back him. He also has 25% who want more information about him before deciding. Now, sticking with Senator Tim Scott, who is becoming the rising number two candidate, he is in the crosshairs of several of his opponents who are shopping opposition research to reporters in attempts to slow Scott's role. Yet no one seems to be taking any of the bait, and we haven't seen many direct attacks on Scott, lest they be seen as beating up on Mr. Nice Guy. Now, in a memo from Haley's PAC, Stand for America, lead strategist Mark Harris looked at opponents' second-quarter fundraising and spending and said that the wheels are coming off of DeSantis' campaign and that, quote, the Tim Scott wasteful spending approach is simply not sustainable, quote. Scott's rise comes as DeSantis continues his campaign pivot with his messaging and laying off some dozen staffers while he tries to shore up slipping poll numbers and tighten the spending belt. Also, we're now less than a month away from the first Republican presidential debate on August 23rd in Milwaukee, Milwaukee. So far, those who have met the fundraising and polling criteria are Trump, DeSantis, Scott, Haley, Christie, and Ramaswamy. Candidates will also have to sign a pledge saying they'll back the Republican nominee if they want to debate. Trump has not decided whether he will debate, but remember that Fox Business poll of South Carolina Republican primary voters? By an almost two-to-one margin, those voters think a candidate choosing to skip the debate shows weakness. 57% of voters say it's weak not to debate, as opposed to strength at 29%. Data! Hmm. Now let's jump off the campaign trail and follow up on a story we discussed a few podcasts back. Judicial reform. Yes, the sexy topic that is at the top of every South Carolinian's mind. I know, I know it's up there with ethics reform and no one is clamoring for it, but it is important. Especially should you find yourself before a South Carolina judge. Then you'll be like, what was that podcast about? Now, Mayan Schechter gives us a deeper look at this tricky issue. For two and a half centuries, the South Carolina legislature has wielded enormous power over state government. But now, in both political parties, some elected officials say that they're ready to see a shift in power over the judicial election process. And they're directing those calls to the very people who vet and elect nearly all judges in South Carolina, state lawmakers. This month in Charleston, with dozens of lawmakers in attendance, 
Republican Attorney General Alan Wilson proposed an overhaul of the process. I don't look at this as the blues versus the reds or any particular demographic versus another demographic. I look at this as just men and women who want to make government better. Wilson's idea is to give the governor all the power to appoint all members to the Judicial Merit Selection Commission, which vets judicial candidates before a final vote by the legislature. That 10-member panel, better known as JMSC, is comprised of six lawyer legislators. Wilson said lawmakers can still have the ultimate say, but he asked that they scrap the cap on the number of candidates who can make it to a final vote. The governor doesn't have, when all is said and done, a whole lot of control over that judicial branch. There's no overt check there like appointments. That's Fred Carter, president of Francis Marion University, who served in two gubernatorial administrations and has written extensively about gubernatorial power and privilege. Now, Wilson is far from the only elected official in South Carolina to call for change. Ninth Circuit solicitor Scarlett Wilson, a Republican, also told lawmakers in Charleston that... Y'all need to be a part of it. Y'all need to be, you know, a big part of it. But there just needs to be some balance with, with the other branch of government. So the question is, are lawmakers ready for change? And there's no clear consensus just yet. Here's what one lawyer legislator, Senate Democratic leader Brad Hutto of Orangeburg, said earlier this month. I think the selection process maybe reforming uh, or altering the membership of the screening committee, maybe the depth of which the screening committee looks at things may change. But as far as the actual selection process, that being a vote by the General Assembly, I don't see that changing. South Carolina is one of two states where lawmakers vet and elect most judges. Critics have called for change based on a variety of reasons, including a lack of diversity on the bench, the January Supreme Court decision that overturned a six-week abortion ban, and the controversial early release of an inmate convicted of murder. Now, some lawmakers have even called for change. The public doesn't know what's going on, and so more transparency is always a good thing. That's Spartanburg Republican Representative Josiah Magnuson, who attended Wilson's panel this month. He's a member of the ultra-conservative House Freedom Caucus, whose members also have criticized the selection of sufficiently conservative judicial candidates. But are those calls actually enough to spark change when lawmakers return to Columbia in 2024, when they'll also vote on a handful of judicial candidates, including a new Supreme Court chief justice? Cindy Ross Scoppy, an editorial writer for the Charleston Post and Courier, who has covered the legislature for more than three decades, said it is possible that lawmakers could agree to cede JMSC appointment powers to the governor. It's certainly more possible than letting the governor appoint judges. But to strip lawmakers entirely off the JMSC, well, that of course means a change in state law. And in South Carolina, Scoppy says... Power is always a factor in the conversation. Thank you, Mayan, for that great report. Moving on, the Federal Open Market Committee meets this week to once again raise interest rates after hitting pause last month. Economists expect a 0.25% increase in rates, pushing the benchmark policy rate to 525 to 5.5%. Inflation is currently running at 3%, which is above the Fed's target rate of 2% or less. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell will hold a press conference on Wednesday and will bring you those comments on Saturday's podcast. Let's go from inflation talk to housing talk. 
That's right, short-term rentals continue to pose benefits and challenges for communities across the state and country, with jurisdictions taking a variety of different approaches to handling them. South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan looks at how Greenville has updated its short-term rental regulations. What is a city to do about short-term rentals? You know, properties listed on Airbnb or Verbo that get rented out for less than a month at a time? I mean, people often say they don't want to live next to one and risk dealing with a never-ending frat party. And yet, as places to stay, people love them. When I travel with my family, I love short-term rentals. They're a great way to see a community, to sort of enculturate yourself and feel like you're a part of the community. You want to know who said that? Edward Kinney, principal with the Urban Design Division for the city of Greenville. One of the main, and literal actually, architects of the city's short-term rental regulations, which are officially updated as of July 15th to keep better track of who is renting out properties where and whether they're doing so legally. Kinney is one of the many city officials tasked with answering that what-do-we-do-with-these-things question, which is not exactly easy to answer because... There's good, solid, rational reasons both for and against short-term rentals in neighborhoods. I should be able to do what I want to do in my own home. (laughs) So that's a four from Linda Goulart. So it is my house. I pay taxes. I pay insurance. I contribute to the community. I'm offering a space that's professional. I'm offering a space of opportunity because people want second choices instead of just going to a hotel. Goulart runs a business out of her home on the outskirts of Greenville near the Swamp Rabbit Trail. She also short-term rents out two of her rooms to help pay for renovations she did on a large and really in need of repairs property. It gives me the opportunity to keep this house, which is part of an old mill village, and I, I was the only one that wanted to renovate this house in this neighborhood. So it costs a lot of money and a lot of time. So I feel like I did the work here. I'm bringing revenue to the city, and I'm not doing anything wrong. If anything, I'm helping. As a homeowner and short-term rental landlord, Goulart is wary of any regulations that could stop responsible property owners from doing something that helps pay the bills or make some extra scratch, especially when they live in the places they're renting out. The key word in all this, of course, is responsible. I wouldn't want to be living near a short-term rental that's having parties or stealing my space or causing some grievance to the neighborhood. No, I don't think anybody wants that. I don't agree with somebody that has an, a short-term rental, um, even here in, in my community, uh, where they don't live. They're not a resident of Greenville. So some of, yeah, there's got to be certain stipulations involved here uh, because there's there's people like me that's professional that, that could benefit from the extra income. Kenny says owners who are legit and on the city's books don't actually have anything to worry about. If you were doing it legally before, you may continue to do it legally now, even if maybe the zoning designation has changed a little bit underneath your feet and, you know, you couldn't do a brand new one. We're certainly not going to anybody of, uh, of their business, you know, that's well-established and has been licensed and is legally operating. The updated regulations define where new short-term rentals can go. They're limited to mixed-use zones and areas where hotels already exist, but new short-term rentals are not allowed in residential neighborhoods, although city officials do say they're open to revisiting these regulations as time goes on. The updated regulations also crack down on non-compliant properties, of which there are many. 
According to one city spokesperson, Greenville has 406 short-term rental units with 692 total listings, and 4 in 10 are confirmed non-compliant. Thanks, Scott. You can find that story, more original reporting, daily headlines, shows, and more on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Whenever you're ready. And whenever you're ready. And whenever you're ready, go ahead. (laughs) And whenever you're ready, just go ahead. (laughs) Welcome to the wind down section, folks. Our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. A.T. Shire's in that, right? Glad that they're here. I am so glad that they're here. I can't. I can't. They're here. I can't. They're here. Uh, Love the poltergeist. One thing we don't have, Gavin, I am happy Uh, we're here, but one thing we don't have here. It's not here with us. We have no calls. What? Hopper is bone dry. You promised me phone calls. Bone dry. I I mean, it's. listen to this. That's not good. That's bad. Okay. Can we also get the sound effect of me opening my ca- my kitchen cabinet and having all my plasticware fall out on top of me? <laughs> you know, I used to make fun of those infomercials, but my God, it happens more than I like to admit. Oh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous I, out here in the these streets. all the mismatched lids in the... Oh, God. Anyway, Gavin, this is fine anyway because it we gives... We can talk about kitchens. It gives us Time a to chance talk about to talk cabinets. because I was very concerned with how you would deal with your analog weekend, but it, your unplugged weekend. Well, I wasn't necessarily entirely unplugged. I just had nothing planned this weekend. <laughs> And of course, things popped up as they do. Oh, as they will. You know, I got to hang out with uh, Mayan Schechter. You just heard her on friend the pod. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. pod. Now works here at public radio. Yep. We're a um, friend now. Got to hang out with her and her uh, her boyfriend, Daniel Bone. Great guy. Uh, and then Daniel's cousin, Matthew, was there with his wife and his two kids. And Matthew was a listener of the lead. So uh, if he's listening, Matthew. You should have uh, called with Holler. Gavin there. Yeah, give us a shout. I think he has a, um, a tequila podcast that we might need to check mm, out. Okay. We'll plug it if he calls. You got a call. We'll plug your podcast. Go ahead. Um, and then I also saw other friend of the pod, Meg Kennard, on Ugh. Sunday at her pool. So Ugh. I had a little pool weekend, a little That's time good. in the sun. That's good Got to get you. ready for Miami. Miami. You, gotta, you need the base tan. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so much fun down there. Hopefully, to while it. I'm down in Miami, I can even out a little bit of my golf tan. Yes. <laughs> it's um, very pale under there. Now, A.T. Shire, did you see the two blockbusters of the summer this weekend, Barbie or Oppenheimer? I, I didn't Barbenheimer or Oppenharby. I don't know, <laughs> however you want to call it. Uh, I didn't do that, but I am interested, especially in Oppenheimer, not yes. as much in Barbie. Same. Uh, but uh, one thing that did happen to me, so uh, I had a little bit of, speaking of movies, an Indiana Jones scenario. And we're Ooh. talking specifically Last Crusade here, okay? Oh, I thought you were talking like um, I ran away Lost from Ark and you had like rock. you had the Close your eyes, Caitlin. <laughs> you had to steal the idol. And... It wasn't far off of that, though. It, that's kind of close. I haven't told you about it yet. So what I did was Caitlin and I, we went for a walk yesterday, and we saw some friends. They were sitting out on their porch. They invited us in, and we go into their house, and uh, he goes, oh, do you want a drink? And I was like, I, I guess so. Sure. Why not? And uh, he goes, pick whatever bourbon you want or whiskey oh want. oh i thought this is a beer you're talking about whiskey and bourbon wow okay right you're not a big brown liquor person brown no liquor. i just i just don't know anything about There's it there's not right? much to know and so you just drink he it. goes just pick anything and turn i turn around and there are 60 bottles and he's like pick anyone pick them and so i was like i felt like i had to choose the right cup to drink from <laughs> This is the cup of a carpenter. Exactly, exactly right. And so I was like, I was like, I would put my hand near one, and he would go like, ah. And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would put 
way Where in there is a different one. And he was like, ooh. And I was like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because I truly don't know anything. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I ended up with Angel's Envy. Oh, that's a good one. I I, I guess. I I've never, uh, I've bought it as a gift. I've never really drank it. My dad has a bunch of bourbon. I always buy him bourbon for Christmas or something like that. Angel, Angel's Envy is very good. It's a little bit pricier, so that's, um, I usually said, just get like Elijah Craig as my go-to. Evan mm-hmm. Williams, if I'm just down to like, Throwback some some cheap whiskey. Um, I was wondering if you're gonna like pick like the Pappy or like something fancier. Does he have I was, any Pappy Van Winkle? I he had some like up on a second tier. Okay, so and I just stayed yeah, away. Of course. You know, I just stayed away. Would have been rude. Uh, I I mean, I'll drink it. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I love a Kentucky Mule. Those taste good. But like. Um, don't waste your good stuff on no. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nor it's Were you not, just drinking it straight too? At least no, no, no. I didn't oh, no. do that. I did. I, I oh. literally tried to get as close to a mule as possible, just because I like lime juice. I just put a bunch of lime juice in it, you know. But I don't. I just don't know. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, if you were gonna mix it, I'd be like, why would he? Why would he make you pick one if you're gonna mix it? Like that's always that's what his I said. Bourbon. I was praying. That's what you use my Evan Williams just, for. You just make that. Yeah. That's why I was hoping he just was like, oh, then just grab that one. Um, you would like I got a mixer at um, bottles. I go to bottles and get my booze, um, rewards points. Love that. <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker like Starbucks. I just gotta keep my rewards points. So I go there, I wanted to get this Jack Fruity mixer because they have a great um, mint julep syrup. Mm-hmm. And it's just easy, like, you know, I don't have any mint growing, but I know mint grows everywhere. It grows back home all the time. I'm like, why well, want to grow in my front yard? But I would love mint juleps, but it's a great, like, you just do a little dash of that in there with mm-hmm. the bourbon. Tastes like the real thing. They didn't have that, so I ended up buying some sort of mule mix. I like mule mix. Decent. I like mule mix because I like ginger yeah. and I like lime, mm-hmm. you know? If, I like to sip it, too. I'm really big on the sip it. Like, one or two ice cubes these days, like, I like that's cold. where I'm at. Cold. I like all my drinks cold. Mm. Like, period. Red wine, cold. Mm. Like, I don't care. And if if I'm doing this so wrong, please call in and it's fix me. It's up to me. you, though. It's I mean, if please call in we're, and we're fix not going to fix you, you're going to just drink it the way you want to drink it. I mean, you don't like hot beverages, I, which I still don't understand. <sighs> I don't. I like ramen. I want to drill down on this. I don't like it. Here's what? my tom-tom. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> like, did you get scalded? No, I just never drank it. I just never drank it. And tea is dirty, dirty water. Stop it. It's gross. It's gross. I've been living off tea. I had this this cough going that I've been saving you guys from, but it's just been You brutal. can hear it at the Doing end the of this throat. podcast. <laughs> you can hear it at the end of this podcast. <laughs> I've been just chugging throat coat, which is the best tea out there. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, like, the lemon zinger and celestial seasonings. I'm, I'm plugging all these different brands. And Gavin loves brands. <laughs> Gavin loves brands. You know, I have my go-tos and... Uh, you know, it's just, just I'm trying to help everyone live their best life by knowing the better things to use. <laughs> sacks of stuff. Oh, the sacks of stuff. Pre-made things, you just squeeze them out, <laughs> you eat them. The Gavin way. Anyway. But yeah, um, I, I didn't see Barbie or Oppenheimer. Thanks for asking. Uh, I'm going to see, I want to see Oppenheimer in IMAX. I've not been to an IMAX movie in 20 plus years. I don't even know what it's like. They're big. And uh, I want to see that on the big screen. Barbie, yes. I'll see like. I'm when not, it's out. I'm not dying to I'm, see I'll it. watch it on my TV at home. I've heard mixed care. reviews. I just don't care about Barbie. But I love uh, Christopher Nolan, so. Have you guys seen the movies? Let us know. Did you, yes. did you do the doubleheader? I, I, did I you would, do it, guys? If, did you do if, it? If producer Sean hasn't done it, I'd like to know who did do I don't it. know if I would want to do that, because isn't Barbie, like, happy and fun and free, and then Oppenheimer's going to be pretty... I think that's the joke. Intent- yeah, but I think, still, but, like, I, I don't want to experience... I don't want to experience that. <laughs> 
I either want to be all happy or all sad. I don't want to be on a roller coaster here. Uh, Gavin also doesn't like any of his food to touch on his plate. Oh! Uh, anyway, people. <laughs> Take it away. We're so hard that all this it. happened. We apologize. Please call in so this is better next time. We'll get uh, more brands to talk about next time. Please text the hotline or call in and give us any of your suggestions for Miami. We'll, Favorite we, bourbons, we, Miami We will be in Miami. Let us know. So uh, have a good week. We love you all. Adieu. XOXO. Gossip Girl. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod, y'all. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-769 or review on Apple Podcasts is always welcome. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. You see, you sound he- healthier than ever. <laughs> it's getting better. I've turned a corner. You know what? I bet that cup is keeping you sick. <laughs> I almost guarantee you it's that cup that's keeping you I sick. I didn't drink out of it over the weekend. That is what's keeping you sick. It's that cup. <laughs> no, no, not no. the cup. Not the cup. It's that cup. <laughs> I never, I never uh, my thirst continues every time I drink out of this cup. <laughs> I, I think that's a problem.